Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this beautiful Tuesday in Philadelphia. Lot to unpack today. A lot of news coming out of Philadelphia over the last 24 hours. So we got a lot to talk about on today's show. Eagles make a move at linebacker, thankfully. Philadelphia Flyers keep winning. I know Wine Niners Wine will be happy. Great Monday night football game. We got some updated odds to go over for MVP and the Super Bowl. Rob Thompson gets an extension with the Phillies. Nick Sirianni finally acknowledges that the Eagles need to commit a little bit more to the running game. And we're usually joined by Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider, on Tuesday. And we usually have Farzi on Thursdays. We're going to flip-flop them because of scheduling issues. So we have Farzi today. A little Tuesdays with Farzi, so stay tuned. Mark Farzetta will be joining the show shortly. But a lot to talk about, guys. I see a lot of people checking in in the chat. Good morning, Jason A-Team. Good morning, Jim G. Wine Niners Wine, always in the house. Chuck Hutton, CZ, Doug Erickson, Bobby Murphy, good morning to you. And Wine Niners Wine says, a great legal hands-to-the-face show last night. I appreciate that. It was a great show, 90-minute show, talking all things Philadelphia Eagles. And the man, the myth, Philadelphia Hall of Famer Seth Joyner joined the show last night, and he was on fire, just spitting truths left and right. You know, if you guys didn't see what happened on the post-game show, well, Seth Joyner kind of called out that Philadelphia Eagles secondary basically said they do not look like they have any interest in tackling. Well, Jacob Sports took a little clip, posted it on Twitter. Darius Slay didn't like what Seth Joyner had to say, responded to that tweet, said Seth was talking out of his neck. Well, if you know Seth Joyner, he's not going to back down from what he's saying. So then he retweeted back to Seth, to Darius, excuse me, Slay. So it's been a whole back and forth, so I had to ask him about it last night. And again, Seth Joyner does not back down. And I loved his quote, and you could see it on Jacob Sports, talking about how tackling is an attitude. And that he really thinks that this defense lacks that attitude to be a great defense. So be sure to check that out, guys, on the Legal Hands of the Face show last night, my full interview with Seth Joyner. You can find it here on the Jacob Sports Network. If you want to watch, if you want to listen, you can find it at Legal Hands of the Face on all your favorite podcast platforms. But good to see everybody. Looks like we have a little bit of a slow crowd coming in. I think Birds 365 may be running over again. But good to see Dan Kelly Green Burrito, Chuck Hutton, saying Seth is a football god. 
James Jones asking about what's the word on Trevor Lawrence. What a game last night. But let's get into some things. The biggest news coming out of Philadelphia yesterday, not really a surprise to anyone if you watched the game against the San Francisco 49ers and saw how much the Eagles linebacking crew was taken advantage of that the Philadelphia Eagles bring in Shaq Leonard. Shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But the real question is what does Shaq Leonard have left? Because there's no denying that before injuries got him, he was one of, if not the best linebacker in the NFL. Shaq Leonard, second round draft pick in 2018, was an all pro in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, three of them first team all pros. But then he had back surgery in the offseason of 2021. Comes back in 2022, has a setback, limits him to only about three games that year. And then so far this season, when he was in Indianapolis, you saw his play really drop off. Was that because of injuries? Have they slowed him down? Because this Philadelphia Eagles team, they need Shaq Leonard to be the guy or at least some semblance of what he was when he was in Indianapolis those first few years. And I see Dan Kelly Green Burrito in the chat makes a great point right here. The man's athleticism is different, but his brain still works. And that is important because he is a veteran. This is a guy who's played a lot of snaps in the NFL, a lot of successful snaps in the NFL. But the Philadelphia Eagles need him because if you saw the stats that are coming out from that San Francisco 49ers game, Nick Morrow, who's played some good football for this team, but we knew what his limitations were. There was a reason why the Chicago Bears let him walk. He was targeted eight times against the 49ers. On those eight targets, he gave up six receptions. For 175 yards and two touchdowns. So it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone that Howie Roseman picked up the phone and made sure they got the deal done with Shaq Leonard. And you got to give Shaq Leonard and his agents some credit because you know that was part of the plan. When they came to Philadelphia and they left without a deal last week, you know they probably said, let's just wait to see what the San Francisco 49ers do to this linebacking crew, and we'll get a little bit more money. And I don't know what they paid. It's a one-year deal. I got to get the full details of the contract. But whatever it is, Howie Roseman was going to pay it because they need an upgrade at this linebacker position. And I know the big question I see you guys asking in the chat, how much does he have left? We won't know until we get him here. My concern is that the Indianapolis Colts basically – Not basically, they did give him up for nothing. Still on the hook for his contract, they just cut him. Didn't trade him. They don't save money against the cap by cutting him. They're still on the hook for paying him his contract. So why would they have done that? How much has his play dropped off? And we're going to find out really quickly because I would be surprised if you don't see Shaq Leonard 
in the lineup on Sunday night. And I see more people strolling in from Birds 365. Welcome into the Power Hour. We're just talking a little bit about the Shaq Leonard signing. Talked a little bit with Seth Joyner last night on the Legal Hands of the Face show about Shaq Leonard. And he said the same thing Dank Kelly Green Burrito said with regard to the guy's brain still works. So you're bringing in a veteran linebacker who's had a lot of success in this league. Let's just hope and pray that the injuries haven't really taken their toll. Because he's only 28 years old. And when he was healthy, he was extremely good against the run. Great in pass coverage. A sure tackler. Let me say that again. A sure tackler. Because what you saw on Sunday against the 49ers was anything but good tackling. And if you're not already following me at Legal Hands of the Face on Instagram, when the show's over, head on over and watch the clip of Seth Joyner talking about this Eagles secondary and their tackling on Sunday. Love Seth, man. Love him. But we're going to be joined shortly by Mark Farzetta. Got a lot of questions for him. I see more people checking in in the chat. Bridget Tobin, good morning to you. But I want to switch gears for one second, and I promise I won't spend too much time on our Philadelphia Flyers because I know not everybody in the chat are Flyers fans, but we can't ignore our Philadelphia Flyers. Guys, if you haven't looked, competitive hockey is back in South Philadelphia. I don't have any visions of grandeur that this team is going to win a Stanley Cup this year. But they are playing competitive hockey, and they are fun to watch. They're playing hard. They're well-coached. And they won the second game in a row against Sidney Crosby and those Pittsburgh Penguins last night. They won in a shootout over the weekend, and they win in overtime last night with Sean Couturier netting a goal in OT. And they now sit number three in the Metropolitan Division. At 13, 10, and 2. Youngster Tyson Forrester, four goals in his last three games. He looks good. Penalty kill, three for three last night. 35 of their last 37. Top 10 in the NHL for penalty, penalty kill. They struggle still on the power play. They do lack some playmakers. And I promise I won't talk too much hockey. But if you are Flyers fans, guys, don't ignore this team. They got a real shot at making the playoffs this season. And you know if you're a hockey fan, there's nothing like playoff hockey. Nothing like it. And I just love that we finally have a product that we can watch in Philadelphia for the NHL. But I won't talk too much. I see everybody in the chat talking about how brutal hockey is. But I know my hockey fans who are here are happy that this Flyers team you're starting to play well again. But let's look around the NFL real quickly. What a game last night on Monday Night Football. I'm always interested in the Jacksonville Jaguars because I root for Doug Peterson. I'm sure a lot of you guys root for Doug Peterson as well. And the Jags really blew a great opportunity last night. If the Jaguars would have won last night, they would have leapfrogged to the top seed in the AFC. Amazing the job Doug Peterson is doing in Jacksonville. We knew he was a good coach. You saw it on full display in 2017. 
but he's got them playing well, but they blew a great opportunity last night to get to the one seed in the AFC, but what a game that was. Anybody in the chat, if you watch that game, one of the better games we've seen on Monday Night Football this year, Cincinnati Bengals, without Joe Burrow, beat the Jags 34-31, and Jake Browning, who's in for the injured Joe Burrow, goes 32 of 37, 354 yards, a touchdown in the air, a touchdown on the ground. So good, man. He looked really good last night. Really good. And I see Chwiz in the chat saying that Ridley should have been an eagle. And if you guys remember correctly, Philadelphia Eagles are ready to make that trade for Calvin Ridley. Then he gets suspended for gambling. And but for that happening, Philadelphia Eagles never get A.J. Brown. And I see Dan Kelly Green Burrito saying, I'd rather have A.J. So would I. I think Calvin Ridley's a very good receiver. But the only reason that Howie Roseman made the draft day trade for A.J. Brown was because they didn't make the trade for Calvin Ridley once he got suspended because that deal was close. Really close. But a good game last night. Jacksonville, as good as they are, as much as I root for Doug Peterson, I don't think that they're there yet. I still think the AFC is going to come down to the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs. Even though the Chiefs lost this weekend at Lambeau Field with Taylor Swift in attendance. I hate that I even know that. But I do still think it comes down to Baltimore or Kansas City in the playoffs. But we will see. Well, Nick Sirianni, I want to talk a little bit about Nick Sirianni because if you follow this show, if you follow my other show at Legal Hands to the Face, if you've heard me on any of these game day shows here on Jacob, one of the concerns that I've had the last eight weeks of the season has not only been the lack of commitment to the run, but the yards per carry for the running backs. We saw a major decline. We've talked about it on this show. When Cam Jurgens went out, and that's what we were blaming for a long period of time, that Cam Jurgens was out, you saw the yards per carry dip, and it looked like they maybe had gotten it together. Against Buffalo, against Kansas City, you saw the yards per carry increase back to 4.2 yards a carry. So we're thinking, okay, great. Maybe this running game is going to get going. Maybe Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni are finally going to commit to the run early in games. Didn't happen on Sunday. And I know the game got out of hand. We talked about it yesterday. Once that game got out of hand, it's hard to really commit to the run. But early in that game, they again ignored DeAndre Swift. Four carries in that first half. And I went back and I looked at the stats in every single game this season. And outside of one game against the Minnesota Vikings, where they really committed to the run and really committed to DeAndre Swift, they gave him 28 carries in that game. 12 in the first half, 16 in the second half. DeAndre Swift put up 175 yards. Outside of that game, they have gone halves 
not drives, not quarters, halves with completely ignoring DeAndre Swift and that running game. So you take out that Minnesota game. That's 22 halves of football. That's what that leaves, 22 halves. In 12 of the 22, so over 50% of the halves, they gave DeAndre Swift less than six carries, just completely ignoring him. There's games in here where he has zero carries, one carry, three carries, two carries. How you can take a guy as good as DeAndre Swift and completely ignore him for halves at a time doesn't make sense to me. And finally, Nick Sirianni acknowledged it yesterday at his press conference. And this is a quote from Sirianni. We have to be better as coaches, devoting ourselves to the run game to take pressure off everybody. Finally, I know as fans, sometimes we ask for too much. As analysts, sometimes it's easy to go back with hindsight at 2020. You should have done this. You should have done that. But it's not rocket science to say, hey, we need to be balanced. We need to run the ball a little bit more. And finally, Nick Sirianni acknowledges that they need to stick to the run. So now we'll see if what he says is actually put on the field on Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. But guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by my man, Mark Farzetta, a lot to talk to Farzi about. You know, Farzi's a big Phillies fan, so we'll talk to him about Rob Thompson getting extended in Philadelphia. They added a year on to his deal. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back with Mark Farzetta. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We 
here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. With Bill Calarulo. And what a treat today. We usually have to wait till Thursday to get Farzy, but we got him on a Tuesday morning. What's up, Mark? Yeah, you're, you guys, you, Bill, your audience, you're welcome. All right. And I'm coming on early. I know, I know Spuds usually comes on. Believe it or, believe it or not, I have been confused for Dave Spadaro. I think it's really? just a ball. I think it's a bald thing. Um, it happened at Dick's Sporting Goods. I was walking in. I'll never forget it because I'm traumatized by this experience. And I walk in, and a guy goes, Spuds. And I'm like, what? And I turn around, like, expecting like to see somebody else. And no, he was referring to me. And I just went, what's up, man? Cowboys are awesome. And that's all I said. And I just kept walking. Um, wow. But yeah, man, good to be on with you. Good to be on with you. Confused for Spuds. Confused for Nick Sirianni. Yeah. People think you're my brother. I'll tell you. <laughs> everywhere I, I get offended people are like oh nick sirianni's uh big brother or whatever and i'm like you bastards he is one year older than me anyway what's sirianni. going on well look before we get into eagles talk and i don't want to get my viewers too angry because not everybody are flyers fans but are you paying attention <laughs> to what's going on with our fly guys farzy I, I'll tell you this much, man. I hate the Penguins. I I actually hate the Penguins in the grand scheme of things, sports wise. I hate the Penguins more than I hate the Cowboys. Wow. Like, I, I know that's now. This is just me speaking. This isn't me saying, "Well, Philadelphia really hates the Penguins more than the." No, not at all. Not even close. I'm just saying, me, myself, and I. I hate the the Penguins have been far better than the Cowboys over the course of my life okay and the course of the last 20 years of my life the cowboys have been this like cute story that the rest of the country really loves to pay attention to where they have like a good season every once in a while and then they just completely wet the bed in the playoffs so for me i don't take the cowboys seriously anymore i just think they're so adorable and cute with their little record during the regular season and then when push comes to shove in the in the postseason where it really matters they do what they always do which is just choke pretty much now, as a kid, watching that, that team win three Super Bowls, that sucked, not denying that. But since then, the Penguins, for me, 
have been the team that I ultimately hate above all else. And to see the Flyers get the overtime victory last night, Coots with the game winner. I love to see that. Carter Hart, great in net for them as well. Always great to beat the Penguins. And last night, another example of just being great and reveling in the idea of beating the Penguins. And I, like I said, I'm not going to stay too much on hockey because we don't have all hockey fans. But <laughs> right, man, about the Penguins, like remember 2008 when we had Mike Richards and that whole Sidney Crosby, and he's like, oh, I don't like Philadelphia. I don't like their fans. That was an awesome time. I just don't like them. Yeah, I, just I just don't, don't like, like them. them. Yeah. Hated Sidney Crosby, man. Hated him. He's, he's still doing it. He's still I still doing hate. It. Still but, hate Sidney right. Crosby, yeah. We'll get away from that. I think anyway, me, what do you think of the three-line trap? <laughs> I think me and Farsi got to start a Flyers podcast. What do you guys think? We got a whole Flyers <laughs> podcast going. But let's move, let's move over real quickly to baseball before we get into this Philadelphia Eagles team. It gets announced, Rob Thompson, who we thought maybe was going to be a lame duck manager going into this season, they extended him. He's now going to be the manager through the 2020, till the 2025 season, 2024 and 2025, right? Wait, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, the upcoming season is the 2024 season, so they're making him. You're right. You're not a lame duck. And that's, look, nobody wants to go into a lame duck year. You always want to know you have that extra year. And even for the Phillies, and I know that people might hate this, but look, look he's under contract. So we know he's going to be paid by the Philadelphia Phillies through the 2025 season, all right? That doesn't mean he's going to be the manager through the 2025 season. The Phillies uh, have shown that they don't really – I mean, they'll, 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 they'll put the dollars out there, my friend. So as far as this deal goes, it's the only real option that they had. They weren't going to make him that lame duck manager. Nobody wants to be that. Nobody wants to play for that guy. You want to know that there's some stability. But make no mistake about it. If the Phillies are out of the gates slow, if the Phillies don't have a season-saving June like they did last year and the year before, then things are going to end up going belly up for uh, old Tinker Topper there for the Phillies, and they're going to be looking to somebody else to be the leader of that clubhouse, the, the, the manager of the personalities, if you will, the next skipper of the Philadelphia Phillies. So it's, it's what do you call it? Um, it's standard operating procedure to give him this deal in no way, shape or form. Does this make me go, wow, they really love Rob Thompson. No, they, they did the bare minimum, which is make sure he wasn't a lame duck guy going forward. And we know John Middleton, like you said, no problem spending money, no problem making a move. Even if he still has to pay topper, because this guy does want to win. I, I love yeah. Middleton. You know, I was when he first comes here and he's saying these types of things, you don't know if he truly means it about bringing the championship back. I want my damn trophy back and all that. Yeah. He backs it up. We've seen it year after year. He tries to win. So that's all yeah. you ask for Yep, in Philadelphia. All right, well, let's jump over. A lot to talk about with this Philadelphia Eagles team. Oh, we're not going to talk union? We're not going to get into the – no, just kidding. Kidding, kidding. Sorry. All right, anyway, go ahead. Yes. A <laughs> lot to talk about with the Eagles. We'll start real quickly because I know everybody just wants to flush what happened against the San Francisco 49ers down the toilet and forget about it. But real quick, Farzi, your take – what the hell happened in that game? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles got pantsed, just absolutely pantsed. There's no, there's no excuses. I mean, there's things that you can hope were big differences in the game, but there's just you just got outplayed. The Philadelphia Eagles got embarrassed, and I, I didn't, 
I thought they were going to go into that game. I thought they were going to win by three. I thought it was going to be a hard-fought game and, and 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 all that. And I can even if they would have lost by three, I can accept that. That would give us maybe something more to hold on to. Where you talk about one specific coverage, one specific play, one specific call, one specific dropped ball. I don't know something like that. Where you go, oh, that just was different than this outcome may have been different. But there was nothing. And I I even referenced it on the post-game show, Bill, with you sitting next to me there. I was like, we're looking at it totally wrong. There's Yes, you can bitch and moan about uh, Brian Johnson's play calling or Nick Sirianni not having him ready or whatever the hell Sean Desai's game plan was going and how every defensive player's brain just melted at the sight of motion, 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 worse than it was since even the Super Bowl uh, against the Chiefs last year. But for me watching that game, they just weren't ready to play that game. They just the, the, The most blanket statement you can make is they weren't ready to play. They certainly weren't good enough to play. And I know Jason Kelsey said that after the game. On that particular day, the San Francisco 49ers were far and away a better team, just like they were far and away a better team than the Dallas Cowboys when they hosted the Cowboys. The 49ers came into Philadelphia. They took the field. They were as good as advertised, and the Eagles came up insanely small in a game that you're going to be – it's going to be – look, it, it, not in a whining way, but that game is going to be living on rent-free in our heads, even if they – beat the pants off the Cowboys, even if they beat the brakes off the Seattle Seahawks, even if they do exactly what they're supposed to do against the Giants in both games that they're going to play them in, and then take it to uh, Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals in between that. Even if that, when the playoffs go on, and the Eagles, even if they do lock up the number one seed, that game, the way that the 49ers played against them, is going to live on in our head until the Eagles are able to get to another Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, and somehow either get through the 49ers or the Eagles beat other teams on the way there because there would be nothing better as far as I'm concerned. Yes, beating them would be great, but if the if the 49ers don't lock up the number one seed and lose earlier in the playoffs, Bill, and never get a chance to face the Eagles, oh my God, the joy I will have in the 49ers fans lamenting another entire offseason before they get an opportunity to face the Eagles again. Oh, that'll just be beautiful. And then the Eagles win, and they win the Super Bowl, and we get a parade. Meanwhile, 40 Winers fans are just, oh, Niagara Falls over not even getting the opportunity. That has been what has pulled me out of my sports depression 24 hours ago. Because I was on the way home from Atlantic City, and I'm on the way home from the show, and I'm like, I just can't believe it. This is the most embarrassing loss the Eagles have had in the Sirianni era. In the Sirianni era, you go back to maybe the first four, five, six games of his career here in Philly, no better example, and I know we're going to talk about the run game, but no better example than the, the time they gave the ball to the running backs twice in the first half against Dallas in Nick Sirianni's first year. Twice. One, two. That's it. That's how many times the running backs carry the ball in the first half against the Cowboys in Nick Sirianni's first meeting against them as the Eagles head coach. Um, so uh, this loss, definitely the most embarrassing of the Sirianni era. Now I disagree with you on something there, Farzi, because I don't want to see what do you got? I don't want to see another team knock off the 49ers. I want <laughs> a rematch in the yeah. NFC championship sure. game. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it would be so much sweeter. Oh, if yeah. They have to come back into the link, feeling all good. They just dominated the Philadelphia Eagles a month and a half before. And then you see the Philadelphia Eagles, just like Rocky and Rocky Two. Not Rocky Two. Yeah, Rocky Two. 
I was going to say Rocky three as well when he beats Clubber Lang. Yeah. Rocky two, he beats Apollo. Rocky three, he loses to Clubber Lang early, then beats Clubber Lang. Sorry if yeah. I ruined it for anyone who has No, it would it. be Rocky three. This is, this is more, the analogy is more perfect for Rocky three because we watched the Eagles get clobbered by Clubber Lang or, you know, Rocky clobber, clobbered by Clubber Lang. And then he comes back and then he wins. Yeah, and he holds time. Rocky yeah. Three. yeah, it's Rocky three. It's Rocky three. It's Rocky three. We're, so basically what needs to happen is, Apollo Creed needs to train the Eagles defense at some hole in the wall gym and, uh, you know, worry about speed, rhythm, jump and rope and all that fun stuff. And then uh, Rocky comes back and, and during the whole fight, you know, it ain't so bad. It ain't so bad. It ain't so bad. And then he just keeps on coming. That's a, that's what we need to see here, Bill. Well, that's what I would love to see. But you talked about the team didn't look ready to play on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. And I don't disagree that a lot of these guys did not look ready. But I think it was more than just that. I also feel it was a personnel issue on the defensive side of the football. We were worried about it. We talked about it on the pregame show here on the Jacob Sports Network. Are the 49ers going to take advantage of this linebacking core? You had no Zach Cunningham. You went into that game with Nick Morrow, Christian Ellis. And I don't know if you saw the stats that came out after the game. Nick Morrow was targeted eight times, gave up six catches, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. Well, not a shock. The next day, Howie Roseman calls up Shaq Leonard and probably gave him whatever the hell he wanted to come to town. But what does Shaq Leonard have left, Barzi? Are you excited about this move? Do you think he's going to help that defense? Uh, Yes. Uh, Absolutely, he's going to help this defense. But here's the thing. Uh, It's a low bar, Bill. It's a very low bar. So this is an upgrade. It's not a phenomenal upgrade. You know, you're you're not you're not going you know from a uh, a Pinto to a Porsche or anything like that. This is this is a nice little upgrade that the Eagles are making. It's not anything that I think is going to save the season. It's going to give us confidence. I believe this. It's going to give us confidence that you're going to have a linebacker who is putting himself in the right position to make a play. He is taking the right angle to a football. If he gets to the football and somebody else is already there, he is going to, you know, peanut punch that ball out of there. He is going to make plays like that playing uh, for this Eagles linebacking core. Um, I expected actually, no, I know he's not playing. So he's he went from playing to not playing, but I expected more of a drop-off with him and the Colts coming back from back surgery. This is a guy that for the majority of his career is playing 98, 97 at least percent of the snaps. He dropped down to only 70% coming back from back surgery this year. I thought it would have been a lot less than that, and he wanted to play more. One of the one of the problems he had with uh, Indianapolis was he wanted to be out there more, and they just felt that he wasn't ready for it. Hey, look, they might be right, but I believe that Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman have done their homework. I believe that they absolutely have this position as a position of need right now. But I do not believe in any way, shape, or form you are getting a linebacker back here with the Eagles that is going to play more than 90% of the snaps defensively. I don't think you're getting a guy in here that is going to be an incredible playmaking all-pro linebacker. I think you're getting a knowledgeable player who still has something left in the tank, and without question, you are upgrading that position. Uh, Excited? I'm, I'm happy that the Eagles recognize the problem how many times have we seen problems with the eagles and they go that's fine we're all fine we're all great everything's great and they don't address it this time they addressed it and i know nick sirianni 
said what he had to say in his press conference, which was, yeah, we made this deal, but we're still really happy with our linebacking core. We still think they can do a good job, but we made this move. But I still like Chris Ellis, but we made this move. It's like you made the move because you know you needed to make the move. And I'm glad you made the move. So for me, excited might be too strong a word. I am very pleased that they addressed a gaping hole in their linebacking core. And look, I, Zach Cunningham is still their best linebacker. But Shaq, uh, having a guy like Shaq Leonard come in here certainly helps the rest of that cause. I'm happy that they addressed the problem. But what I'm not happy about is that we all saw this problem in the offseason. I had been posting videos all summer about what the hell are they going to do with the linebacker position? Why are they going into this season putting all of their linebacker hopes on the Kobe Dean, a guy who'd only played 34 career snaps. I had everybody comment, oh, the Kobe Dean's going to be an all-pro. He may be, but no one knew what this guy could do. Mm -hmm. He played 34 snaps as a rookie. So you went into this season, you let TJ Edwards walk, which I thought was a big mistake. Played over 94% of the snaps last year. I played really playing- well against San Francisco, too. He played really well against San Francisco in the playoffs last year. He had a great season. Led the, led the team in tackles, top 10 in the NFL in tackles. I was fine letting Kazir White walk. But now what you've seen is they're trying to piecemeal this position. They had to bring in Zach Cunningham during training camp. They cut Nick Morrow, then they had to bring him back because Dean went out. You got Christian Ellis, who's been a career special teamer. So I just don't like that. I, I'm happy they made this move, but it's really Howie Roseman and this Eagles organization acknowledging, yeah, we messed up not making sure we had good enough linebackers for a Super Bowl contending team. And I don't think they would have had to. I know the argument is you can't pay everybody. They have a $200 million quarterback, a $100 million wide receiver. They have all that money on the defensive line. But you didn't have to pay a guy like TJ Edwards that much money to keep him here. And I just don't like, as much as I love Howie Roseman, I give him a lot of credit when he deserves it, and he deserves it a lot. I just don't like that philosophy of ignoring the linebacker position, Farsi. And you saw with the San Francisco 49ers, an organization that doesn't undervalue the linebacker position with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. And look how damn good they are. Yeah, I just I don't understand in this day and age. And I know everyone talks about, oh, well, in the modern NFL, the linebackers aren't a big deal. I mean, linebackers. I think you, if you are really all about versatility, similar to the way the Eagles are with the safety position, uh, i.e. The, the end of Brian Dawkins' career here in Philadelphia, the way Jim Johnson used him, Malcolm Jenkins, the way he was used throughout his time here in Philadelphia, mostly by uh, Jeff, uh, Jim Schwartz, obviously. And then you look at bringing in a guy like Kevin Byard as a versatile player, even not to the level, not to the level, but just what they can bring to the table as far as versatility, a guy like Justin Evans, linebacker and safety that has that versatility to him where he can play up in the box. They demand that of the safety position. Why can't they demand that of the linebacker position? Because if I have a versatile player like that in the middle of my defense that I know can play in coverage and I know can get into the backfield, that's helping out that defensive line that you've invested so much money in. That's helping them out even more. So for me, I don't understand it. I don't understand it this year especially uh, the money that you have in the first-round pick like uh, Jalen Carter, you have an opportunity there to add to the linebacker position. They've tried it. You mentioned Zach Cunningham. Miles Jack was here for a couple of minutes, and that was the guy that wanted to learn an apocalypse trade before he did anything on a football field, but they still kicked the tires on him. And now they're bringing in a guy like uh, Shaq Leonard that I'm far more optimistic about as far as 
what type of uh, impact he can have on this defense. Not, again, as a savior or all pro or anything like that, but acknowledging that you have a problem and then trying to solve it with a guy who, at least between the ears, very much still has it. And I don't think there's going to be too many instances where you're going to see him caught off guard nearly as much as you saw from a guy like Nicholas Morrow in this game against the Niners. I'm hoping that Howie Roseman got really lucky because if Shaq Leonard is any semblance of what he was in Indianapolis, players like that don't become available this late in the season. And the Eagles may have gotten really lucky if Shaq Leonard can up his level of play. And sometimes we've seen it before. Change of scenery can really ignite a guy, especially a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, and now you're joining them. So, hey, let's hope. Let's hope. One more thing on that, though, Bill, and I want to make sure we talk about this, too. The the fact that I I believe Howie Roseman does his homework. All right, I think we can all agree on that. He's coming from an organization that Nick Sirianni might know, like he knows the most about the Eagles, and then after that it's probably the Indianapolis Colts. And maybe even more so now that Shane Steichen is there, and I actually – I was like, where the hell is he going with this? But I, I I got value out of it when he talked about in his press conference yesterday the fact that they had their they were FaceTiming with Shaq Leonard and Shane Steichen and like they were passing the phone around and everybody knew everybody. Like, there's not a lot to be uncovered. There's there, there's not a lot to hide in that situation. You're going to be open because of the relationships you have in the front office, relationships you have in the coaching staff. Obviously, I believe if anybody was going to get the proper read on what. Shaq Leonard was going to be able to bring to the table, it would be Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman in this organization making a, making a deal for a former Colt. And it's not like the Colts were trying to drive up the price from the Eagles. It's a, you're talking about a, a free agent, essentially, here in Shaq Leonard. So I think if there's anyone that's going to make the right deal and know what to expect from Shaq Leonard, it's going to be the Eagles far more than it's going to be the Cowboys. And I love the idea that the Cowboys still wanted him. At least another team that was contending still wanted him to come in and try to improve their defense. And without a guy like Leighton Van Der Esch, they're looking to upgrade that position as well. And the Eagles turned out to be the place where he wanted the party. Great point, Farzi, because you're spot on with that. You're right. I mean, Nick Sirianni already had that relationship with the Colts. Now Shane Steichen's there. So you're right. They would not have made this move if they didn't have confidence that this guy could still play. And the question is, does he play on Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys? I think there's no chance he doesn't play against the Dallas Cowboys on yeah. Sunday night. Yeah, if he's signing on Monday, he's playing Sunday. This isn't – yeah, th- I don't have any doubt in my mind that he'll be out there in some capacity uh, playing against the Dallas Cowboys. He's Like I said, he's a veteran. Um, uh, he, I don't think you have to – yeah, you f- familiarize yourself with the terminology and the playbook a little bit here, but I think it's basically going to be, you know, get out there and stop this player, get out there and stop that player, watch out for this on this play. It's not going to be crazily in-depth for him. But I think it'll be at a point where you can expect him to play, and I'll lowball it here for the sake of later optimism, 40% of the snaps, 50% of the snaps, somewhere in that range. I'm not going to expect him to come out here playing 75 to 85%. Um, I hope he's in that type of uh, uh, in that type of way. It's not like he's just been sitting around for six months. He, he played this season. He played uh, – it was 70% of the snaps in nine games with the Colts this season. So – I think he's going to have a lot in the tank. He'll be well-rested, unlike some of these other Eagles, obviously. But I, I am looking somewhat optimistically about 40 to 50% of the snaps in this game against the Cowboys. I think a lot of that will come down to, is Zach Cunningham healthy this week? So let's hope, because sure. there were some reports early that this was a longer 
injury than just last week, but then I've seen some promising things coming out. So we'll have to watch that injury report. Before I ask you about the Cowboys, let's just jump over to the offense really quickly because you mentioned some things Sirianni said at his press conference about Shaq Leonard. Well, he also finally acknowledges at his press conference that maybe they need to start committing to the run a little bit more as coaches, something that we've been screaming for for weeks to just be balanced. And I say it a lot on this show. I'm not naive. I know this isn't the NFL of the 90s. You don't run the ball 30, 40 times a game. This is a passing league, but you need to be balanced to keep the defense a little bit accountable to stop the run. Do you think what Sirianni said is actually going to be displayed on Sunday night, or is he just lip serving us? Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is knee-jerk, or excuse me, my knee-jerk reaction is lip service. However, uh, last year, I believe it was, we heard Shane Steichen talk about just calling more plays. We heard Nick Sirianni talk about, excuse me, calling more run plays. We heard uh, Nick Sirianni also talk about more run plays, taking the the P and the O out of the RPO and uh, just going with the R and just calling that play. And I felt like after that, you did see a little bit more, not a crazy amount, a little bit more of a um, commitment to the run and not abandoning the run. Um We've heard things like this before, and it really comes down to the players. A guy like Lane Johnson has to really be vocal. Jason Kelsey has to really be vocal. Because one of the things that really stuck out to me about the Super Bowl year when they won the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson was they went into Kansas City. And I think it was LeGarrette Blunt was the only running back to get a carry in the second half of that game. And I remember everyone, Bill, Everyone that got a microphone put in front of their face after that loss in KC to Andy Reid, everyone talked about more balanced attack, got to run the ball, got to establish the run. The one that I really remember, ironically enough, is Zach Ertz saying it after the game. And from that point on, you really saw more of a commitment. You even saw the Eagles go get Jay Ajayi before the deadline that year. So I don't know if it's going to be as drastic, but when Nick Sirianni this time around is talking about more of a commitment to the run, I think I think that's absolutely correct because it's it's going to help you with the big plays, those splash plays that Nick Sirianni likes to reference so much. It's going to set those up for guys like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and using DeAndre Swift in that uh, type of uh, fashion earlier. I think will help you establish more of a rhythm in the early goings of games. And as we all know, that has been a huge problem for the Eagles this year is getting out to quick starts, getting out to good starts, getting out to fast starts, and making the other team play from behind. I think the Eagles are serious about it this time. I saw more of an uptick of it the last time Nick Sirianni talked about it, so I expect to see a similar type thing this time around. And I wonder, when I was listening to that quote, if Nick Sirianni is talking to himself or if he was directing that towards Brian Johnson because he does say us as coaches need to do a better job of committing ourselves to the running game. So I'm wondering if that was a sign that, hey, Brian Johnson, because we've seen it. I, I don't think Brian Johnson is doing as bad of a job as a lot of people think. I think the offense has had a lot of success this season. But I do think Brian Johnson, his major issue is he gets away from the run for long periods of time. But I don't know. We've talked about this. We've debated it. How much of that is Nick Sirianni and how much right. of it is Brian Johnson as a play caller? We just don't know. I call it uh, like it's like a quad of blame. Okay. Like, okay, let's. Jeffrey Lurie loves the pass. He loves the passing game. I don't think he gives two, you know, what's about the run game. Then Nick Sirianni is the game plan guy. He's the guy that's uh, throughout the week talking about the game plan. Brian Johnson's also the play caller. 
Now, where does number four come in? Number four is Jalen Hurts. It, it's Jalen Hurts checks at the line of scrimmage a lot more, maybe more than any other quarterback that we have seen play for the Philadelphia Eagles in the last 20 years. He checks at the line a lot. He goes to the bubble screens a lot. People bitch and moan about the bubble screen and blame it all on Brian Johnson. Let's not forget that that is the bubble screen is Jalen Hurts' happy place. Last year, after they uh, just barely squeaked by the Cardinals in Arizona. I remember so many plays. I, I, it had to be at least 10 bubble screens in that game, wide receiver screens. And after the game, during his weekly press conference, Shane Steichen talked about how that seems to be something that Jalen Hurts is just very comfortable with doing, whether it's an RPO, whether it's a bubble screen, whatever. He's just very comfortable with running that play. So I wonder how much of that is Jalen Hurts checking to that bubble screen, checking out of run plays. We heard from Nick Sirianni in the past, and in no way, shape, or form was he saying that it's throwing Jalen Hurts under the bus. But when they would give him the RPO and the run was supposed to be part of that, a lot of times it was nixed by whatever Jalen Hurts' decision was at the time. So you got four people that have a lot to do with the game plan, the execution, and the plays called in a game. I can't just look at Brian Johnson and be like, this, it's, it's this man's fault. Damn him. It's everybody's. Everyone, to use another expression from Andy Reid, everyone's got a piece of this very large pie, unfortunately. And I think it's up to the Eagles to make sure that they're just simply calling the run play. And if it, if, they, if one particular run play, a draw doesn't work, maybe you, maybe you switch it to a toss and just get as basic as that because you need to establish that run to help your passing game, especially when you're talking about setting a tone in the, in the beginning of games. And I say this a lot, Farzi. Even when the running game isn't working, quote-unquote, it's working. <laughs> simply by committing to it makes the defense have to worry about it. But we'll see if they do that this weekend. Before I let you out the door, Sunday night, big game down in Dallas. Is this a must win for the Philadelphia <laughs> Uh It's a must win for my, your, the city of Philadelphia's Saturday. Um, <laughs> they're still in the driver's seat. They, they, they start driving with only one hand on the wheel if they lose this game against the uh, – Dallas Cowboys. But here's one of the reasons I'm confident in this in this game. The Eagles with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts have not hit a, uh, a, a lull too often. The 49ers hit a lull this year where they lost three in a row and people were starting to jump on them a wee bit. This Eagles team, I think, realizes what's at stake here. And really, it's a reputation. Yes, it's, it's obviously how much in the driver's seat they are going forward. But it's also the reputation around the league. Like the Cowboys have a terrible reputation right now because they can only beat bad teams. They barely beat a team that was just barely over 500. All right. Just enough, just enough to say that they beat a team that was over 500 at the time of the time they beat the Seattle Seahawks in Dallas. And they play great in Dallas. But I think the Eagles are looking at this as a huge opportunity to reassert themselves and say, oh, no, 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 no. We might have lost to the team that was far better than us on that given day, on that given Sunday. But this is our turn. To, to give out a beating. This is our turn to announce our presence with authority that we're still very much so well-deserving of that top seed in the NFC. So that, to me, is going to be a proven game for the Eagles, and I think it's a huge game in that regard. Must win, yes, for our sanity. Must win for the standings. Yeah, it would it would certainly help. The, the, the thing that I, I'll say this, not a must win, an argument for it not being a must win by the standings, you got the Giants twice. Uh, and you got the uh, the Cardinals again, or you got the Cardinals. So I don't look at it as the must win. I think the Eagles could still rally and win those last three games of the season and lock up the uh, the number uh, the number one spot. But yeah, for my own sanity and being able to sleep at night, definitely a must win. You're not worried about Tommy DeVito coming to town? 
Let me just how say, great, how great is that celebration? <laughs> the fact that he went the old Italians, the old Italians that's over there, and then the reporter, the Metagon reporter. I don't know. I shouldn't say Metagon. Maybe he's maybe he's Italian and he just wanted a, go, a good quote. But the I'll say it. Metagon reporter is like, well, what is the word for it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Tommy DeVito's like, there's no word for it. What do you want from me? There's no word for it. It's just excuse uh, Yeah, what you know? If you're doing this, Maron, Maron, I'm Maron me. If you're doing this, for some of the Metagons out there, if you're doing this, it's just like, what are you talking about? Why? What? 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 It's like, what? And it's attitude. This is all, this sums up every ounce of not just Italian-American, but Italian attitude right here. You see this? You better be paying attention. You better be. And Tommy Cutlets is one of my favorite nicknames ever already. And uh, the, the 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 post you sent me, I don't know if you put it up on your show. I didn't. It was great, though. Oh, my God. I, credit to the person that put it out there on social media with, you know, Tommy DeVito being like, I'm the most Italian guy in the NFL. And then the picture of <laughs> the picture of Dom, uh, Big Dom uh, going, uh, yeah. All right. Hold my chicken parm. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> it was fa- absolutely fantastic. Well, good stuff, Farzi, as always. I will see you Sunday night down at the Ocean Casino. Guys, be sure to check out the Farzi Show every day at 6 a.m. on Farzi's YouTube channel, right here on the Jacob Sports channel. And make sure you're following Farzi on all social media and Twitter and all those good things. Farzi, I appreciate you, my man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much. See you guys. Talk to you soon, brother. Love when Farzi joins the show. But, yeah, we were talking about... I sent him a clip of uh, someone posted on Twitter about about Big Dom saying, hold my chicken parm because Big Dom's got the Italian flag on his arm. He's got the chain going with the gold horn and the, <laughs> the Italian boot going. Love my Big Dom, man. He's a good dude. He is a good dude. I hate all this publicity that he's getting because, you know, not good, not good. I know Big Dom doesn't like that. So, but all right, guys. Before I let you run, just a reminder, I said it last night on the Legal Hands of the Face show, but I will be hosting Sports Take right after this with Rob Ellis, both today and tomorrow. So you're getting four hours of Bill Calarulo. Go ahead, hit that like button if that makes you happy. But four hours, I'll be joining Rob Ellis right after the show. And one of the things Rob and I are going to talk about are some of these updated odds. We're running out of time here, so be sure to check it out. But you look at the updated odds, Prior to that San Francisco game, Jalen Hurts was your favorite to win the MVP. Well, he's been leapfrogged now. And it may come as a little bit of a surprise as to who the odds-on favorite to win the MVP in the NFL is this year. But it's Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy, who's having a great season, and you saw him do it against the Eagles on Sunday night, is now the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, not Jalen Hurts, not Patrick Mahomes, not Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy. Pretty incredible. So also Super Bowl odds. Super Bowl odds were updated. Probably not a surprise. 49ers are now your Super Bowl favorites, according to the odds. They're at a plus 310. Eagles fall to number two at a plus 550. But check out Sports Take, guys. We'll talk about it. But like we... And every single show with a little today in sports history. This one's relevant for us Eagles fans. December 5th, 1943. The Philadelphia Eagles-Pittsburgh Steeler merger dissolved. The Steagles. Who's heard of the Steagles? Well, when World War II hit, the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have 
enough players to field a team. So there was a merger between the Pennsylvania teams, commonly known as the Steagles. Although if you look at the NFL record book, they just call it the Phil Pitt Combine. But everybody else calls it the Steagles. But today, December 5th, 1943, that merger dissolved after one season because of World War II. But guys, thank you for another great show. Love all the engagement. Go ahead, hit that like button, hit that share button. I will be right back here on the Jacob Sports Network in about three minutes with Rob Ellis on Sports Take. Hope to see everybody there. And as always, guys, go Birds. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.